Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm, I'm a grandfather. I'm a small business owner. I'm a Catholic. I'm a lot of things. But on this show, I'm your host for all things women's health as we discuss all things women's health in all ways from an authentically Catholic perspective, from childbirth to infertility, from pregnancy loss to menopause, homeschooling or personal trainers. If it involves women and their health, it's on the agenda for all things women's health. Joining me today is a really special friend of mine that I've known for many years. I've had the honor of participating in her motherhood journey on several occasions. Lindsay Tipman is a mother. She's a wife. She's a remarkable woman in a lot of different ways, as you're soon going to appreciate. Uh, she'll be joining us today to discuss natural family planning, specifically when God sends you a gift that you didn't ask for. This is really one of several episodes that we're going to dedicate to NFP. Today, in addition to sort of a general discussion of NFP, we're going to explore something that's rarely discussed in NFP circles, unexpected or unanticipated. Remember, there's no such thing as unplanned, but unexpected or unintended pregnancy when using NFP to avoid pregnancy. Let's face it, if you're an NFP user, you know this topic is one that, that you want to have brought up that nobody brings up. It forces a discussion of what really being open to life means. I'd venture to say the first thing, particularly most maybe skeptical husbands think about when their wife brings up NFP is they're thinking, we're going to be pregnant. So there are some times that using NFP is particularly challenging, maybe during the postpartum period, maybe while breastfeeding, maybe during those perimenopausal years, just to name a few examples. These challenges are real. Ask anybody that's done it. How do couples approach these challenges? What are some of the practical solutions? What are some of the unique conversations between husbands and wives using NFP when these things occur? That's those conversations that really just don't happen between contracepting couples. What's the church teach on NFP? Why is NFP acceptable, but artificial contraception is not? What's the difference? And does it really matter? You get comfortable as we get to know a lot more about these and other interesting questions related to natural family planning with my guest, Lindsay Tipman. We'll be right back with all things women's health. So, Lindsay, I know when I talk to people about NFP, uh, I often say, and I've often heard this expression, open to life. And I think that can be a little confusing sometimes. But when an NFP couple using natural family planning says, yes, but we're open to life, what do you, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, so I think it goes beyond the obvious of being against contraception and against abortion. It... Um, is ultimately putting God's will before your own. You're allowing him to entrust a soul to you, even if it's not a part of your plan. However, it also goes into having, as a couple, needing to have um, open, honest communication on a regular basis. Are we trying to conceive? Are we trying to avoid and why? Do the reasons from last cycle play into this cycle? Um, it's about sacrificial love and it's about redemptive suffering because mm. NFP is not easy. 
But, you know, in fairness, I think if a couple taking artificial contraception, say a woman was on birth control pills, they could say and they could mean they're open to life. And and having taken care of those women in my practice, I think they mean I'm not going to jump up and down and get mad if I get pregnant on the pill. But they're doing their best to make sure that's impossible, as opposed to the couple using natural family planning is saying, if God chooses to step in, it is not impossible at all. There's the door. He can walk through it. We're sort of hoping he'll choose not to, but, we, but we're staying open. Do um, yes. you think that's a fair assessment to it? I do. Okay. I do. Now, the other question, and I know you've been asked this before, it's sort of the age-old question. Isn't natural family planning just Catholic contraception? Aren't they just the same thing with a different name? How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so no, they're not the same thing. Um, in in using contraception, you are putting something in you in some way, depending on what kind you're using, um, that prohibits your body from working the way that it was designed. Mm. You're you're altering that. Um, in natural family planning, you are are just that. You're, it's natural. You're looking at the signs of your fertility and you're recognizing what your body is doing and where you're at in your cycle. So the the difference is with natural family planning, you still allow room for God. Uh. You still allow room for his plan. Whereas contraception, you are removing that. Your, your ultimate goal is that you do not get pregnant. Sure. So would you say that it's possible for a couple using natural family planning, in particular, uh, a couple trying to to maintain a Catholic way of life, is it possible for them to make a decision not to achieve another pregnancy? Is that in keeping with Catholic teaching? Yes, absolutely. Yes, they can decide that. And yes, it's in keeping in Catholic teaching. Because God did not say I want you to try to get pregnant every time you are possibly fertile. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> um, so, you know, sometimes there is this concept, uh, and I, I've said it, I know that I've heard it used before, of using NFP with a contraceptive mindset. And, so, and, and when I hear that, I think about the example of a couple decides, yep, we're going to use NFP to not become pregnant, and we're going to do it so we can save up money and get a bigger lake house. I kind of think of that as a contraceptive mindset. We're not getting pregnant, not because we've got good reasons not to be pregnant, but because we've got some selfish reasons not to be pregnant. Do you agree with sort of that description of a contraceptive mindset of using NFP? Yes, yes, definitely. And I think, you know, in our humanity, we can fall to that when we are practicing NFP. Um, and and let's just say there's been a period of time where you are using it to avoid pregnancy. Hmm. And maybe it was for just reasons. You still need to go back and reconnect with your spouse on a very regular basis as to why that just reason was. And does it still come into play? Are we still there? And something like I want a bigger lake house is there's nothing wrong with that, but to use that as a reason to avoid pregnancy would be teetering on at least 
questioning whether is that coming from God or is that just coming from our humanity of, of desires? Now, what about the couple that has maybe a serious or a grave reason to avoid a pregnancy, maybe a serious medical illness uh, and one of their children, or maybe a serious medical illness with a parent that they're caring for. You know, there could be grave reasons that a couple says we should not be pregnant right now. Uh, Is it acceptable for that couple to use an artificial contraceptive method? Well, in short, no, it's not. (laughs) And and in long, the reason why is because it's an intrinsic moral evil. Uh, So it would be wrong on all levels for the church to permit a couple, even with a a grave reason to avoid pregnancy, mm. it would be wrong for them to permit them to use contraception because it can never be justified. I like it. uh, I like it that I'm asking you these questions for a change instead of somebody asking me these questions. Uh, You look better in the hot seat than I do. That's good. (laughs) What's funny about that, though, is I came to you asking, and then in that conversation, we ended up here. (laughs) Oh, my. That was a long time ago. We'll have to get to that in a few minutes, listeners, so stay tuned. But, you know, while we're moving along this path, you know, as an experienced NFP user, what do you think are the greatest benefits of using natural family planning to space uh, and design your family the way that you feel called to? Yeah. So really it's, it's God's beauty. It's mm-hmm. God's will. It's living in God's light. And there are no greater blessings than living in the light of Christ. But with that, you know, it's, it's about respect uh, on a, a different level between husband and wife, we're using NFP versus contraception. You don't ever feel used. You don't ever feel as though you're using your spouse. Um, your prayer life is active. You have more patience with your children because there's a part of you that realizes in every moment that they are the greatest miracle that yeah. God has given to you. And so the blessings really abound when you're practicing NFP and um, it kind of brings your, your marriage life sometimes back to like your dating life before you were married, you know, that honeymoon phase of where everything was so great because you have to find other ways to be intimate with your spouse at, at different times. And you can kind of dig deeper into each other's love languages and fill each other's cups up in another way besides, you know, being intimate in, in the way that you can if you're using contraception. Sure. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Well, let's change gears a little bit and start talking about what it's like to move from maybe a fear or concern of not becoming pregnant to a fear of becoming pregnant <laughs> while using NFP. What's it like to find oneself pregnant using NFP when they thought they were avoiding? Yeah. Um, I have definitely been on both ends of the spectrum there. I always wanted to be a wife and a mother. And um, I knew that you couldn't go to school to do that. (laughs) So I became a nurse. Um, But thankfully, shortly thereafter, I met my husband and um, we got married. And we both knew that we wanted to start a family right away. Um, He is from a family of 10 children, and (laughs) I just loved every part of that. And so 10 children sounded great to both of us. (laughs) And so we were blessed, and we got pregnant for the first time um, 
a month after we got married. Um, the unfortunate part is he is, is in, was in the military. And so he got oh. deployed uh, about two weeks after we found out we were pregnant. Oh my. Yeah. And he was gone. He was going to be gone for a year. So it was kind of like, uh, so excited, but then, you know, I knew he was going to be missing so much. Um, but we were thankful and we were blessed and, um, we moved forward. Unfortunately, um, about 10 weeks into the pregnancy, I found out that we had miscarried My. and, um, I was so devastated. Uh, and it was, it was hard to kind of work through the grief. I mean, first and foremost, because he wasn't there with me. Uh-huh. Um, and also because I knew we didn't have a possibility of trying to conceive again anytime soon because right. he was gone. And so thankfully he did return, um, a year later and we were blessed once again to get pregnant right away upon his return. You know, I know for military families, it probably sounds pretty routine, but I think most listeners probably had to pause right there when you said a year later. So, you know, you, he said, let's get married. And you said, great idea. Let's have 10 kids. Great idea. Uh, I'm pregnant. Oh, by the way, I'll see you in a year. Yeah. Um, that's really hard to imagine, but for a military family, that's a way of life. It is. Um, but that had to be, that, that's just hard to imagine you as a new mom pregnant for the first time, sort of looking at the prospect of being without your spouse for a year. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember that feeling? What was that like? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it is definitely his homecoming is something I will never forget, but yeah, in that moment, you know, we were, I, I was so thankful that we were blessed with the pregnancy and that he was there, you know, to, uh, to witness us finding that out. He was still home. So that was beautiful. And, um, it kind of gave us something to look forward to in a year that we weren't really looking forward to. Oh, sure. So there were, there was the positive in that. I also have a great support system with, um, family and friends. And so I knew that, I would be well taken care of by, by everyone else. And thankfully when he deployed that time, uh, technology had increased from some of his previous deployments and we were able to talk fairly regularly. Um, and without, you know, crazy interruption, but. Oh, sure. So you, you had your first law sadly, and then he came home from that long deployment and Mm -hmm. you said you found yourselves pregnant again. We did. And we were elated. And unfortunately, it ended almost identically to the first. Um, it wow. was at nine weeks and five days. Um, it was in the same month, February, as our last loss. So it was um, almost identical to a year prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of in that moment that I first realized maybe I am, you know, maybe I will suffer from the cross of infertility. Um, And while that's something that you talk about in your marriage prep, and we did talk about, and we said, you know, back then, uh, oh yeah, we'd be open to adoption. We'd be, you know, like we just want kids. And, and that still held true, but until you face the reality of something, you can't truly live in that moment. I don't think. Yeah. And so at that point we kind of had to, 
revisit our NFP talk of, you know, should we maybe wait a little bit? Because while a miscarriage is physically traumatic, it's also mentally and emotionally and spiritually traumatic. Mm. And so we had some discussions and ultimately we wanted to um, remain the same, trying to conceive. And so we had a bunch of um, blood tests done and at our t- at that time, our OB acted like it really was not that big of a deal. There was two losses. We don't usually worry about it till the third, you know, all of that mainstream. It's not a big deal. You know, every, us, every, I know uh, any of our listeners that have experienced a loss, I know they immediately identify with you in that regard, because that can be some of the hardest words, I think, to hear. And, and the way that I like to think of that is, for those of you listeners who have children, imagine going to your pediatrician, and you're just having a conversation about the child that you brought in for a well child visit. And you say to your pediatrician, oh, by the way, I should have mentioned a couple of my toddlers died. And the pediatrician says, oh, well, if any more of your toddlers die, we should probably look into that. No one would tolerate that. Everyone would think that was absolutely uncaring and awful. And yet every single day, I know that women just like you um, hear that from their obstetricians, from maybe well-meaning, but very poorly informed uh, Mm -hmm. physicians and other providers that that are really doing a terrible disservice to the woman and her family by saying, that's no big deal. You're young. You'll have more children. Uh, it's okay. When your heart is telling you, and I know you remember, mm-hmm. your heart is telling you that you lost a child. Yes. Um, and yeah. then if the world is telling you that you didn't lose a child, but your heart and your body are telling you that you did, that creates a horrible conflict, which just makes the whole situation worse. Yeah, it really, it really does. And I want to clarify at that time, you were not my OB, obviously. Oh, well, well, thanks. Um, but but it, it, really is a, it really is a tough time. I mean, it's an insult to the injury. And I know a lot of our listeners can immediately, as I said, uh, identify there with you. So you did some looking, you, you did some testing, uh, and then where did it go next after that? Yeah. So we did some testing and we came up empty handed. Um, and we revisited that conversation of where are we at NFP wise. And at that time, I remember so vividly sitting on my back patio and my cheeks were filled with tears. Um, and I just remember begging God, like, please don't let me have the cross of infertility. I, you know, I will do anything. I will suffer any other way. I don't want to suffer this way. Wow. Um, which is obviously my humanity shining because <laughs> you can't bargain with God. Number no, we one. Don't get, we don't get uh, to Yeah. Yeah. And every cross that we carry is hard no matter what it is. So yeah. when, when a cross is difficult, a cross is difficult. Um, but that's how I felt in that moment. Um, I felt desperate. I felt like, I was potentially never going to be a mother and um, it was devastating. So Blake and I did um, decide to continue trying to conceive. And a couple months later, we found out we were pregnant again. So at this point, still elated, but very cautiously elated. Probably Um, probably scared to death at this point. Yes, scared to death. And, um, you know, with each day, with each little twinge of my body, with 
every new little sign, you know, I was like dissecting it of what does this mean? I, you know, Googling all the things and it kind of, it it kind of took the joy out of it, out of what I should have just been, you know, living in the moment. Um, But I also didn't have that support from my OB and their staff because to them it was just another pregnancy. Oh, sure. And so that was difficult, but thankfully um, we did bring our first son into the world. Um, His name is Judah and it was beautiful. He was born in February and he was born right in between the two losses that we had had. So it was just an extra special gift at a time where our hearts would have been sad. We were filled with joy. Mm. Um, And we remained open, trying to conceive and blessed again, a very short 15 months later with our second son, William. And we, we couldn't be happier. And I always say people think like, Oh, that's so close. Um, And out of the six children we have here on earth, that was my favorite gap. They were just best friends and it was crazy and all of the things, but I loved it. Hmm. Um, And then it was about 20 months after William was born that we welcomed our daughter, Elsie, into the world. Now your third child. Now our third child, yes. Um, And in between there, we had moved to Indy. So we were um, away from family at that point. Um, And Elsie was born with a cleft lip and palate. So for about a week's time, I had three children, two and under. (laughs) So at that point... (laughs) In a a town without family. In a town without family and a child with some special needs. And so our uh, mindset with NFP uh, switched at that point. And um, we knew that God was saying... It's, it's maybe time to try to avoid for a little bit. Elsie was going to be having several surgeries in her first year of life. Yeah. And, you know, we just needed that break physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the things. Now, Lindsay, at that particular moment, so now you've had uh, some losses. Now you've had your third child, one now with special needs. You're in a strange land called Indianapolis with no family. The world had to figuratively at least be screaming at you, lady, you should be on birth control pills. You have no business being pregnant again. Forget that wacky NFP thing. You need a break from pregnancy so you can focus on all that you have to focus on. And yet you didn't listen to that, that voice. Do you remember that feeling? And was it frightening for you or did it come easily? You know, that is funny that you bring that up because um, in the hospital, after I had had Elsie, um, she was breached. So I had a C-section and uh-huh. had to stay three days instead of two back then. Um, and the nurse um, that was discharging us, uh, when Blake went to go get the car, she had asked me, um, what are your plans for birth control? And uh, sure. I told her natural family planning. Uh, and she said, I think you need more than that. She <laughs> said, I would talk to your doctor about getting some form of birth control. Uh, and I remember in that moment, all of my mama bear rage wanted to come out and <laughs> just scream like, that is my choice, me and my husband's choice yeah. and not yours. And so 
even though we very much knew that we needed to try to avoid, it didn't change our perspective on using NFP. We had faith in NFP. NFP helped us to achieve pregnancies. And so we were trusting that it would also help us to avoid when we needed to. Wow, that's beautiful. So you, you, and you did decide to avoid for a while there after your daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So she was about three months old and we decided it was time we needed to move back to Fort Wayne Uh, with our family. We needed some more support and all of that. And so we moved back um, and we were actually living in my parents' basement for about six (laughs) months (laughs) um, while our house was getting built. So we were very faithfully and very conservatively um, practicing NFP to to avoid. Um, We knew that it just, we were going to have a lot on our plate in the next year between surgeries and moving and uh, two toddler boys and a child with special needs. So about when Elsie was about eight months old, I believe, um, maybe seven, eight, seven or eight months old, I found myself pregnant. (laughs) Um, and I think I was in a state of shock (laughs) because I mean, to be clear for listeners, you, your intent was to avoid, it was to avoid, it was to avoid. Yes. Um, and I remember looking over my charts over and over and over again, thinking, where did I go wrong? Where did I miss a fertility sign? How, you know, how did this happen? And quite honestly, to this day, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And so somewhere in that moment, I thought, this is God. This is God. I don't understand (laughs) why he would entrust another soul to us right now. I don't understand his plan. And I kind of went through a a range of emotions of Mm. honestly, like being mad, being Mm. mad that it didn't work. Um, my due date for this, for this new baby was going to be the same month as our daughter's biggest surgery. Um, and so I was fearful because I was just thinking, how am I going to be nine months pregnant helping my one-year-old, um, with a big surgery or helping my one-year-old with a newborn in my arms in the hospital, you know, all of the things Blake was unwavering. He was just so wonderful. He was so happy. He was like, God has this, like it's, it's a part of his plan. I'm like, yeah, I'm not seeing how it's a good plan. This is not in my type A brain, a good plan. (laughs) You know, it's funny when I hear you say that I immediately flash to my own family's fertility struggles. You might say when we were struggling with adopting our two kids Mm. and that sense of anger, that's difficult to describe. It can make you feel guilty mm-hmm. for having it, but it's real nonetheless. And I remember a couple of times my wife saying, you know what? Our God is big enough for you to be angry at him. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, it's a good thing um, <laughs> because I am. And I, th- I think sometimes maybe we do a disservice to people when we don't give them space to be angry because it wasn't your plan. It wasn't what you had said, probably out loud in a complete sentence, that you wanted. And yet here it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have used that as the example for being open to life because that's what that means. Yes, It, it doesn't mean you didn't get mad. 
it, it means that you remained open. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. So true. So in, in that time, I needed to find a new OB because we had moved back oh, um, sure. and I, well, I didn't have, really have a reason for an OB <laughs> yeah. in the six months that we had been home. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I found you actually. And at that time you were still at Parkfield. Yeah. And I remember really dreading my appointment. I hadn't, um, yep, I, I had just dreading it. I hadn't told anyone outside of Blake that we were expecting. Um, I, it just took me, it was taking me some time to find joy. And I, I, I was also, I think, fearful of people's judgment mm. because I had always promoted NFP. People, right. I'm an, a totally open book. So there was a lot of people who knew that we were using NFP to sure. try to avoid pregnancy. Um, and so I was fear fearful of their judgment, you know, that they would say, okay, told you so. Or, you know, maybe you should have used contraception you have this, you know, new baby with special needs and two toddler boys. What are you doing getting pregnant again? And so I remember walking into your office, sitting down and you came in just happy as could be and introduced yourself. And you were like, so tell me about you. And I was like, kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, tell me about you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anyone position uh, wise had ever asked me that before. And so uh, we began to chat and in our chatting, I realized that you were so much more excited about my pregnancy than I was. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> and I was so thankful, but it was in that moment that I found joy for mm. the first time in that pregnancy. And it was just such a beautiful gift that you gave me that you you didn't judge me. You didn't say any of the things you said, how beautiful this was. And you know, that, that God was, that it was his plan, that it was, that it was a gift. And so I remember walking out of that appointment. I'm, I was beaming and I remember calling uh, my husband Blake and telling him, we have found the best OB. Like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Everything is so great. And he was like, what happened? Like you were so grouchy for 12 weeks. Like what is going on? Um, And so I knew, I knew in that moment that God was handling it and that all would be well. Wow. But you know, there's probably a, there's probably a lesson for listeners there, not physician listeners, although maybe you could argue for physician listeners, but really for anybody. And that is kind of the power of, perception of judgment from somebody in your position. Um, and it wouldn't even have to be words. It could just be sort of a, a look uh, or a feeling or something. But instead, to go the other direction and say, how, how great, I'm excited for you. You're, you're, you're living your values. You're open to life and you're accepting of, of what God's plan was, especially when it's not your plan. Yeah. Uh, that People are really in a position of power to do that. And, and I think they shouldn't be afraid to do it. So if you ever, listeners, if you ever find yourself in that situation, think about Lindsay and how powerful that could be in some young woman's life. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So uh, your pregnancy began to progress and things are tootling along nicely. What happened next? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, around 15 weeks, um, we miscarried. And yeah. it kind of brought me to my knees. Yeah. I um, 
I was, I felt so guilty for not just being joyful. Um, yeah, this is a common phenomenon, really, um, that I've seen through the years over and over. I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. I got pregnant. I wasn't happy about it. Then I got happy about it, and then I had a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it, it can really seem cruel and unusual and a form of punishment, and it does set up such a set of contradicting feelings, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Um, but you know what? It was a moment. Um, kind of where I encountered God in a new way. And, and it, it ended up being beautiful. Um, I remember in the same way that I had cried on my back patio that I would do anything um, to not suffer from the cross of infertility. I was now telling God, I will never do that again. I oh. will, I will always be joyful. Um, and you will see throughout this podcast how my humanity shines and goes back and forth um, to these things that I tell tell God. But it was, it was a moment where I encountered him um, in a new way and and trusted him in a new way and learned that um, part of NFP is embracing his will, Uh ultimately embracing his will. And so at that point, um, Blake and I revisited where are we at NFP wise. Yeah. And um, we, we decided for the same reasons that we were trying to avoid before, but also um, because in, in a certain sense, this loss was almost more difficult than my first two, or I, maybe I shouldn't say that difficult in a different way. Yeah. And so I knew kind of emotionally and mentally I needed to work through some things before I would be ready to try to conceive again. Yeah. And so we got through Elsie's surgery. Um, we got into our new house. I, I worked, um, you know, through the things that I needed to work through. And so we, in our many revisiting of the conversations, switched gears and said, okay, you know, we, we no longer really have a just reason to continue to avoid pregnancy. So um, we moved over to trying to conceive. And I don't even know at that point if we were necessarily trying to conceive, but we were not trying to avoid. So I think it's worth a pause there because if there's any non-NFP listeners, you know, at the risk of being maybe too clinical or graphic, I I feel it's important to point out when you say, and you've said it several times, like we often do, a conversation. Uh, and so for the NFP using couple, you're talking about a daily, maybe an hourly conversation about, do we want to be pregnant or do we not want to be pregnant today, right this minute? <laughs> and and let's be clear, that translates into something else. It translates into, are we renting a movie tonight or are we doing something else? Yeah. And so, you know, we say that in such a casual way because NFP users all know exactly what you mean when you say that. But the non-NFP users are probably still trying to wrap their brain around that because it's so foreign to the contracepting couple. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have yeah. that. That conversation right. doesn't exist. And I, it is part of uh, uh, the beauty of NFP because it does require that conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of experts would argue that's why NFP couples have such a bond because they have to talk about their 
their fertility goals regularly, not not mm-hmm. once a quarter, not once a year, but you know, maybe multiple times a day, yes. they have to have that conversation. Um, and, and you probably don't even remember how serious that conversation was, but I'm sure that it, at times it had to be difficult. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You know, thankfully, Blake has always supported greatly um, kind of my stance. Although in the uh, times that we had gotten pregnant and weren't weren't necessarily trying to, he remained very joyful and he never, <laughs> he, he didn't really have to like wrestle with his feelings to find joy, but he, he would always ask kind of me first, where are you at? Um, I'm a stay at home mom. So um, a lot of the just daily duties, um, you know, with the children are, are on me. Um, and I'm thankful for that. I don't say that in a bad way. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, but he would kind of check in with me, like, you know, where are you? How, how do you feel? And, and, and the conversation would go from there and he would kind yeah. of respect usually where I'm at. And yeah, so for us, the conversations are pretty easy, yeah. but I can understand how it would be foreign, um, to someone who doesn't have that because, yeah. uh, well, on any given night, you can choose your movie or something else. And NFP users are not that way. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, that's well said. Well, fast forward, there's there's more life and more surprises to go. Yeah, there is. There is. So um, in our switch over of trying to conceive, um, we did. We conceived our fourth, um, our second daughter, Violet. And you know, something I haven't mentioned yet, but in all of my pregnancies, um, I suffered from hyperemesis and Violet was the worst. I had to have a pick That's severe nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. Yeah. Which can be so severe. It requires hospitalization or maybe special IV lines, as Lindsay's mentioning, just to sustain yourself, let alone sustaining the pregnancy. Yes. And so Violet was the worst and I had a pick line. And so um, that kind of brought out a new set of chaos with three little ones at home and feeling so terrible, but it was a joy. Nonetheless, it was a joy and she was healthy and beautiful and, and it was great. Um, and so this kind of plays into something that you mentioned earlier, as far as times that can be difficult with NFP. And that is like postpartum and while you're breastfeeding. Yes. And so Violet, I breastfed for about 14 or 15 months. And that was my longest the span of, of breastfeeding one of my children. And so especially towards like maybe the last six months of that, mm. it was a little, let's just say chaotic NFP wise, because she was eating food at that mm. point and, um, but my my cycles had not returned. Yeah. So we were cautious, but at the same time, then we were revisiting like, okay, well, if we got pregnant, would that be okay? Yeah. You know, it, it, is that, you know, where are we at? Um, and, and we remained open in the sense of we were fine if we did get pregnant, we're not maybe actively trying to hit the nail on the head. Sure. sure. <laughs> And, and have that happen. Um, but soon enough, it did. And along came our fifth child, Memphis. 
And so at that point, when Memphis was born, we had a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a newborn. Um, And so our plates were full. (laughs) It was was beautiful, but they were plenty full um, at that time. You know, our, our older boys were now, you know, in school and so in different activities and, yeah. you know, homework and just the driving to and from school. And at that point, Elsie, um, we discovered that she had other special needs unrelated to her cleft lip and palate. And so um, that was a new journey in and of itself. Um, and then we had our, our two younger ones, Violet and Memphis. And so uh, at that point, we decided, you know, God is, is calling us to take a break. We need to keep healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and we need to be able to give that to our kids too. And so we stayed, again, kind of conservative um, to, to our NFP use and um, very strict, I should say, in trying to avoid. Sure. And we were successful for um, about four years. And through that time, we often revisited the conversations. I would say in that that last year, we began to kind of teeter on, okay, are, are we still, do we still have just reason here? Mm-hmm. Because really it was kind of all of the same reasons. Um, they, they all still applied from the very time that Memphis was born three years later. We were still had very full plates and, and all the things, but we revisited it regularly. We prayed, you know, we, we took it to prayer individually and as a couple, and we still just really felt that God was saying, you know, you need, you need a break. You need to take a break. Um, and I would say my humanity shines here again, because I was now kind of getting to a point where I'm like, I can breathe a little for the first time in a lot of years. I don't have any newborns. I don't have any nursing babies. All of my kids were in school. Memphis was in preschool. Um, And so for the first time in many years, I was finding a little bit of time for myself, being able to get involved in ministries at church Mm -hmm. and volunteering at the kids' schools and things like that. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. You know, that was a kind of a part of motherhood that I hadn't yet been able to do because I always had too many little ones at home to take with me to do something like that. Um, And so I was liking this kind of new stage of not having little ones. And then (laughs) God's beautiful gift um, we found out we were pregnant and I remember it was a like sunny September morning. And at that point, my cycle had kind of gotten a little bit wonky. I'd always had long cycles, but this one was like really long. And the one before it was really long. And so I was kind of going over my charts and I'm like, okay, I mean, I don't, see anywhere where it showed that I have, you know, white baby stickers on my chart, um, you know, and we were intimate, but I was just kind of getting a little nervous 
And so I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I remember I was just in my bathroom and I took a picture and I sent it to my husband on his phone. And I'm like, I'm dying. I don't know (laughs) what's happening. How is this happening? Like this was not in the plan. This was not in my plan. And he was over the moon excited. (laughs) Couldn't have been more excited. And I was just like, no, no, I'm not finding joy. Um, and so I struggled again. And, and I even thought back to those two times on my patio. And then um, after my loss, when I met you, and I, I promised God, I will always be joyful. Now I know. And yet here I was, and I was not joyful. I really was not. I, I cried a lot. Wow. And I just was thinking, how am I going to do another pregnancy where I'm sick? Now all five of our kids are so active. And at the time, my husband worked in Huntington. And so it was like an hour commute to work there and back from where we lived in Fort Wayne. You know, I think listeners could, could imagine what that feeling must have been, even with a smaller family, but you had a large family. And I mean, it's a fascinating story in the sense that you did everything right. You know, you were open to life. You begged for life. You got it. You had losses. You prayed so hard for more babies. You got them. And you were using NFP, not contraception, to avoid pregnancy. I mean, it would be easy for you to want to sort of shake your fist at God and say, I didn't want this. Mm-hmm. I think what's really unique in this scenario, if you think about a contracepting couple, it would be very easy right here in this space where you're describing to say, that's a contraceptive failure. And then what we know from the research is it's a very slippery slope from it's a contraceptive failure to I didn't plan it. I'm not responsible. Maybe I could think about terminating the pregnancy, Mm -hmm. you know, and those steps come very quickly depending on the social structure and the support structure and, you know, really where the woman is. Uh, You have an amazing spouse. Imagine if you didn't have an amazing spouse. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you'd been a single mom, but, but I think, you know, listeners with a little bit of a stretch, you can imagine how that story you could have described it in such a different way. Yeah. Um, and that's so true. It brings up a good point because, um, I've always been very authentically pro-life. It's, it's something that's always been important. It's, it's just something I very much value and hold deep in my soul. Um, but I worked at Women's Care Center, which is a crisis pregnancy center here in Fort Wayne for a number of years. Mm. And um, as a nurse, I was able to give women uh, non-diagnostic ultrasounds. So I, I couldn't measure their baby. I couldn't tell them the gender, diagnose anything, but I could show them the life within them. And it was in my years working there that I was humbled and in listening to these women and and sometimes young girls come in and and telling me their story, telling me about abuse, a neglect, about addiction, about, you know, just living a life where their needs were not met. Their, Their basic needs were not met. And here they were pregnant. And so it allowed me to, to meet them where they were at. Whereas before I just had a really hard time even understanding 
how someone could contemplate abortion. Yeah. But but in those years, uh, I learned like without the support, without faith, without having a, a, a faith life, Catholic or or anything else, you know, to where you could so easily think this is the best option for me. Yeah. I mean, or, society or, says, you know, it's a good option. Yeah. And in many cases, the only option. Yes. Know? I mean, I like to say, I, I honestly don't believe women choose abortion. I think it chooses them mm-hmm. um, as the, as from the, their ability to tell the, the only option that they have available to them. And, and your point I think is a great one. It could be so easy uh, to slip there and by God's grace, um, you didn't slip there. So, you know, Lindsay, in the, in the couple of seconds that we have, you know, left, um, listening to your beautiful story, there's so many things that we could, we could talk more and we could do a few more episodes just on you oh, uh, <laughs> and your amazing, your amazing journey. But if there's a couple uh, out there listening right now and they're contracepting and maybe you've kind of touched their heart with your dedication and your openness to life and the fact that your yes has gotten you so much, what would you say to that couple? Yeah, you know, I think I would just tell them, take a little bit of time and talk to God. Ask him what he's asking of you. And also on on an unrelated faith note, allow yourself to kind of journey through what would it look like if I switched from contraception to NFP? Because a lot of times um, people choose contraception out of fear that they, you know, don't think that NFP will work and I can't have another child. Sure. Um, and what does that mean? Well, take that journey, like preemptively let yourself think, okay, but what if I actually did have another child? Would I die? I mean, and and in some cases for those people who have, you know, severe medical uh, issues, that's not what I'm talking about. Sure. But, you know, no, you wouldn't. And so you would adapt your life and, and beauty would abound. God, God's blessings are so abundant and it really, it would change your life for the better, undoubtedly. And it would change your marriage for the better. Wow. What an amazing testament and what an amazing story. I feel like we just got started and it's been almost an hour. Um, (laughs) So much to tell, so much beauty and so much life. And the thing that I hear when uh, I listen to your story is I just hear, yes, 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 yes. Over and over and over. You and your husband just kept saying yes. Uh, And now I have the privilege of seeing you and your beautiful family occasionally at mass. And you're a living testament to, to saying yes. Um, <laughs> and it, it really is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. I hope you've enjoyed this story, listeners, with, with Lindsay Tipman about natural family planning. One aspect of it, what do you do when God gives you a gift that you didn't ask for? And I think Lindsay has given you the greatest answer uh, that there is. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the time that you spent with us. I hope you'll like and subscribe to our podcast. I'll be back regularly with more great episodes just like this one on natural family planning and a lot of other topics. So please join me again on all things women's health, always Catholic.